Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. So we got to be careful about looking at people that get in position that are ungodly and then Christians be going and you look at social media. I'm embarrassed sometimes at how believers are going in. It's like, that's not our place. What are we supposed to do for those that are over us in a governmental way? Pray for them, not pray on them, not talk about them, not slander them. We're supposed to pray for them. That's it. No matter how ungodly they are, how bad the decisions they're making are, how against the word of God, what they're doing is, our role is to pray for them. Have you ever been frustrated at the people who hold power? Like a president, governor, or state senator? In today's edition of The Transforming Word, Pastor Bill talks about how, as Christians, we are to respect the people in authority. God has control over every single aspect of the earth. Nothing surprises God. Because he has the rule over the world, he selects the people in power. God calls for us to honor the people in command and what they choose. As we go through the world, share the love of Christ by respecting those in power. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 13 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. As we come to study Romans 13, Lord, now just all the, the various topics and things in this chapter. God, I pray each one of us, you prepare our hearts. That, Lord, we'd have hearts that are submissive to your word, that we would receive what you share with us, Lord. That it would help us to glorify you and honor you in a dark world in which we live. And so, God, we pray that you would just anoint the teaching of your word. Give us hearts to receive that which you're teaching us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Well, just a quick, you know, recap the last studies from Romans 12. We looked at learning God's will for our life. Last week, we looked at 30 different commands that really dealt with how we treat one another. And we learned about forgiving people and leaving room for. Now, this is important because we're coming right off of chapter 12. One of the things at the end of the chapter, we learned about leaving room for vengeance. Who's the one that's supposed to get revenge for you and me? God. So I'm not, I'm not supposed to go out and get it for myself. I'm supposed to leave room. It says, give place to wrath. Let God handle those things. And so keep that in mind as we discuss some of the things we're going to discuss in chapter 13, which follows chapter 12. Look at chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And so here, God is speaking to, now look, I guess I want to give the context first. Who's God talking to? Paul was writing to Roman believers. So what was their government like? What was it like for them before we go all into this? So let me break it down for you. The person that was ruling at this time was Caesar Nero. Anybody that's done church history or you've studied about this individual, Caesar Nero, he was a nutcase. He was crazy. This is these are some of the things that Caesar Nero did as he later came to a point of actively, aggressively persecuting Christians. These are some of the things that he would do. This is a fact. These are in secular as well as church history books. He would take Christians, impale them on poles, put tar and pitch on them light them with fire 
and ride his horse around laughing, saying the light of the world, the light of the world. They said that he would take Christians and sew animal skins over their bodies and then put them into the areas where the lions were. The I forgot what they, what is the thing called where they had the, the lions come in or whatever. But they, they basically feed them to the lions in that way. He came up with new ways to torture believers. At one point, it's believed that he set a fire in Rome and then he blamed the Christians for it and to stir up cultural you know, persecution against the church. So this is the guy that's in charge. Caesar Nero, not a good guy, not a nice guy, not a fair guy, not a just guy, a very wicked, carnal, corrupt, messed up guy. The authorities that would have been at that time would have been the Roman government, the Roman soldiers and whatnot. That had been like their police force. They also were corrupt. So I just want to point out that Paul isn't saying these words to a group of people that were living in a very, you know, like calm, peaceful society where everything was good and under control so that we don't read this and be like, well, that was probably good back then because that's what people will do. But today that don't work. You know, you've got to do something for yourself today. It was probably worse back then in some cases than it would be for us now. But at least we could say it was bad. It wasn't like Paul was speaking these things to people that were living in places where the government was great, where the government was godly and everything was going well. So he says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. What are governing authorities? God's telling you to be subject. That means that you're to be in a place of submission toward the governing authorities. That would represent your president, your government, your police officers, all these roles that God has established to be an authority over us. Now, the question comes up, but but they're wicked, though. Right. They do wicked things. And I got to point out that whatever men are in charge of, you got wicked men. So the only time we've ever had righteous government was when there was a theocracy. Right. When God was ruling Israel, they demoted God. They said, we don't want God. We want a king like everybody else. And they got King Saul, who was a jerk. And they got King David and you got the kings and it went on from there. And we'll never have righteous government again until Jesus Christ comes back to rule and reign. In between the theocracy then and when Christ comes back to rule and reign, as long as men are in charge of whatever they're in charge of, know that it's going to be bad. There's elements of it that are going to be corrupted because they're men and they're corrupt. And when you give men power over other men, they abuse it, right? You have sinners governing sinners. It's not going to be flawless. It's going to be bad. So, so he says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Let our heart be submissive to them. Let it, so we're not to be those that are out there resisting the police. We're not to be those that are out there, you know, lashing out against the president, right? God doesn't say be subject to them because they're good, they're godly, they're holy, they're spiritual, they're doing the right thing. He says, because that's how I've called you to live as believers. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. So he says, now, for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So once again, you read this and God said, look, the authorities that you see, even the bad ones, they're appointed by me. And some might look at some of the authorities. God wouldn't have appointed him. God would not have put that person in authority. But all you got to do is read your Bible. Can you look back at any time in history where God has allowed evil men to reign and it, and it accomplished his will? You can look at it throughout history. You can find that evil men were in charge, but God was accomplishing his will. Think about this. When God anointed King David. Who still functioned as king for a period of time? Saul was going after David. Saul was chucking spears at David. Saul was chasing David in the caves, going to kill him. Saul was, I mean, you read the Bible in that area. He sounds schizophrenic. In one place, he's David, our man, got, you know, he's being all nice. And in the next breath, 
he's chucking a spear at him to kill him. And what did David say when David had the opportunity to kill Saul? He said, I'm not going to touch God's anointing. Look, God appointed him. God's got to remove him. So David recognized even though Saul is behaving in a very ungodly way. And we know from scripture that Saul was out of sync with the Lord. God wasn't even speaking to Saul. Saul went and sought a medium because God wouldn't talk to him anymore. So Saul was completely out of sync with God. It's true that David still recognized, but God anointed him. God appointed him and God's going to be the one to demote him. I'm not going to get involved in that. That's not my deal. So we got to be careful about looking at people that get in position that are ungodly and then Christians be going and you look at social media. I'm embarrassed sometimes at how believers are going in. It's like, that's not our place. What are we supposed to do for those that are over us in a governmental way? Pray for them, not pray on them, not talk about them, not slander them. We're supposed to pray for them. That's it. No matter how ungodly they are, how bad the decisions they're making are, how against the word of God, what they're doing is our role is to pray for them. That's it. And so I'm very careful here. I've never come to the pulpit and bashed those people. I disagree with a lot of things, but that's where then we need to pray. That's where the power's at. And this is the thing, too, to understand that sometimes God allows those people to be in charge because is it going to get better before the Lord comes or is it going to get worse? So it's probably you know, as we got an election coming up, it's probably about to get worse. You can hope for the best, pray for the best and vote for the best. But chances are, because I believe the Lord's coming back soon. I don't have high hopes that someone's going to get in there and be like, all right, we get, I, don't, I don't really believe we're going to get some great, awesome, strong Christian in office to run our world back toward Jesus. It'd be awesome. I'll pray for that. But I'm looking at the choices and it's like, man, <laughs> the Lord is coming back. That's all I can say. You know, it's going to get darker. You know, it says it's going to be like the days of Noah. There was there was there was chaos and anarchy before the Lord came before at that period of time, it's going to get bad. So we pray for them, right? So the subject, though, is it's the same word used in Ephesians 5 when God tells a wife to be submissive to your husband, to be subject to your husband, to respect him. It's really dealing with the attitude of the heart. And so what's the attitude of your heart toward government, toward police, toward those that are in authority over you? You got a bad attitude? Are you one of those that's want to buck against the system? You're like, just not going to tell me what to do. You know, you're trying to figure out a way to get out of paying your taxes. We're going to talk about that, too. You know, as believers, that's not what we're called to do. God says, I want you guys to function in society according to the rules in that society, that you might be a witness of me in that society. And we'll see when we're done that there isn't anything that Jesus commands us to do that we can't find him doing it himself. He's our ultimate example. Look at verse two. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So when you resist these authorities, God says you're resisting me because I put them in place. So, again, I'm, I'm really cautious, even though the things that I see happening, that you'd be unhuman to not be bothered by the things that are being done to people by authorities. I do believe that, and, I, and I actually in preparation for this, several weeks ago, I interviewed, I sat down with three different guys that are police. Two really, really strong Christians. One that's kind of, I would say, you know, moderately Christian. He, he at least claims to be Christian. But I just wanted to know, from your perspective, right, you guys are doing the job. This is the impression that I get from where I sit, that there's a lot of abuse of authority and bad things happen. And you guys are like, in a sense... Like gangbangers that don't get in trouble for it, you know, you know, there's a sense that that's those are some of the things going on. 
And I got pretty consistently across the board, particularly from the guys that were strong Christians, that it is corrupt inside. There are people that carry on, you know, one guy so he says, man, you got guys that probably got bullied in high school and now, now it's their chance, you know, and they go out there and they're getting people back. There are people with racial issues and convictions that are out there and they're fleshing that out as they're out there. Then he says that the flip side, he says, you also, he said, keep this in mind too. He says, we're out there with the worst of the worst every day. So for people that live in a hood, if you live in a, in a neighborhood with gangbangers, you kind of know what a gangbanger look like. When you see a gangbanger, you're like, you look gang, you prepare in a different way. Like there's not two little kids coming, a couple gangbangers come my way. So you just kind of like, you know, you, you, you just, you know, you prepare yourself in a different way. He says, so we see the worst of the worst. We didn't see colleagues get shot. People have things done to them. So we are on edge as well. We want to go home to our families when the day is done, too. And I was just kind of hearing both sides of it and saying, OK, there's bottom line. There's bad that happens out there. And that's the truth. But God says, I don't want you to be out there resisting it. I don't want you to be out there making a point. I don't want you to be out there being the person that's saying, well, I know my rights. I don't got to give you my, you know, license registration. You are, would you pull me over? God says, don't do that. If they ask you for it, give it to them. Right. How many people are dead for knowing their rights? <laughs> I'm serious. And it's not funny to me. There, there are people that were encouraged to behave that way. Encouraged to you. You let them push you around. Once you know your rights, you stand for your rights. Not realizing that. And this is what I learned. A long time. I learned this before I got saved that they could ruin my life in a day. That they've been known to plant drugs on people that didn't really have drugs, to plant dirty guns on people that. So it just behooves you anyway. This is secular. It just behooves you anyway to kind of just okay. What do you need from me? Let's let's make this transaction short, brief, and let it be done. I want to go home. But as a believer, God says, now I'm telling you that your attitude would be submissive. Don't be out there arguing with them. I'm not going to serve you well. And I've even heard people raising their kids to think that way. You're setting your kids up. I'm not going to train my son, who's a young black man, to be out there questioning police. Hey, look, bro, you be respectful. You speak in your best English. You know, you make sure your pants are at a right level, you know, and you let them know when a couple words out of your mouth, they need to know that you ain't one of them, you know, that you ain't out there gangbanging. You're not out there mouthing off so you can get done and get home. I need to see you tonight. You know, I'm not raising my son. I'm going to teach you your rights. So when they pull you over, son, you tell them, I know my rights and you smart off and I'll be doing a funeral, you know, calling. And look, it's not the way that believers are supposed to behave. And that's the biggest thing, right? It's not what God has called us to do. So we want to be careful about that, right? He says, when you resist the authority, who do you ultimately resist? God said, you resist me because I put that authority there, even if you don't like it. Moving on. Verse three, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. So now this is in general. God is saying in general, if you obey the law, you won't have a problem. In general, they're not coming after law abiding people in general. There's exceptions that, you know, there are exceptions to that. But in general, God, says, look, if you just do what's right, you won't be in the mix. As I studied this, I was going back over all the different cases and thinking, how many of these cases can I find where people either didn't submit and had they just submitted, it would have been ended or that there was laws have been broken. Doesn't justify what happened to them, 
But they're in the predicament with the police because a law had been broken, you know, something they should have went to jail for, not died for or whatever. But but I'm looking at it and God said, look, you know, if you do right, the rulers are are not a terror to good works, but evil. And I know this from my own life when I was not walking with God because of how I lived, what I was doing and what I looked like because I presented myself like what I was. I had a lot more negative interactions with the law. Than I did after I got saved. That's just the way it was. When I was not saved, I had a lot. It would seem like every weekend getting pulled over again. You know, like my goodness, what what are they seeing me? Like, you know, it's like they, and they look, they know what to look for. You know, the white tee, the the blue this and that. The you know, you, you just left that spot, which they know what that spot is. You know, and and so all these things and all these constant there. I get saved and I just been going on about my life and. You know, I've had a couple here and there, but it's not like it used to be. And so anyway, the rules are a terror, not to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority to do what is good? And you will have praise from the same. And again, I, I believe this is speaking in general. I know there are exceptions. I know there have been times where people have been doing the right things and they've been following the law and they run into that guy. And what did we learn again in chapter 12? Then who's going to deal with that ultimately? God's going to deal with that. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Nobody's mistreating human beings and getting away with it. No one's killing innocent people and getting away with it. Nobody at any level of whatever, everybody's going to give an account one day. And so if there are guys out there and there are that are abusing their authority and doing crooked things one day, they got to meet God just like we do. So when I meet God, I need to be on the right side of this thing. I need to be walking with him and obeying him, knowing that where I have been wronged, they're not getting away with it. It looked like they got away with it. They need to be getting... No charges filed. That's that charges don't mean nothing. It's people that miss jail but catch hell. So what would you rather, right? There's people that they didn't go to jail for what they did, but they don't go to hell for it. Hell's a lot longer than jail. So I gotta remember that, right? I got a God that's just and everything's gonna be as account for everything. I'm never taken advantage of. Nothing happens to me that doesn't pass by my father in heaven. And if I've been wronged on earth, God saw it and he'll deal with this. Not for me to go fight my own battles. I got to give it back to him. But I'm not to get riled up. I'm not to be out there. I don't believe I'm supposed to be out there protesting, marching and, you know, yelling and screaming and everything else. There are people, Christians, that get all stirred up emotionally and do those things. They haven't put the same energy toward prayer, which God said was where the power is at. So you will protest screaming to men, but you won't pray and cry out to the Lord. What's wrong with that picture? Where's your faith at? Right. If I believe that me protesting and making a big hoopla in front of men is going to do more than crying out to God. I got my faith backwards. My faith is in men and their systems instead of in the Lord and his power. And so when we do see injustice and we do, the church should pray. We should be praying for those doing it, praying for those affected by it, but not getting all emotionally stirred up to where you'd be out there tripping and breaking some rules and commandments yourself. So moving on, verse four. Now this is interesting. He says, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So a few things in this verse. One, God speaking of those that are, this is more like those that are executing judgment back on this would be police this would be governmental authorities would be courts god says look these are god's ministers to you for good ultimately that's the general idea is as bad as you might feel about 
some of the practices of some of the police, if you removed all police, do y'all know what it'd be like? You, you don't want that, right? We don't want that as bad as they are. You know, what the, I, want, I can't even say it from here, but the, the things that people say about the police and this and that, remove them and then see what it'd be like. And you have somebody going upside your head, running up in your house, and who, who you gonna call? <laughs> I'm calling 911. They're not answering today. We ain't got none. You know, you don't want that, right? They're there for good. And many of us have maybe needed them and called them in time of need, and they've been there for good. You know, I've had them called on me before by my wife. <laughs> but I, I'm gonna tell y'all why she did that. I'll let y'all ask her, you know. <laughs> I didn't hit her though. That's why, just so y'all know that. It's just, she was tripping. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So they're there for good, right? I, I guess I better tell you. I think we, we so I came home really late one night after teaching at a camp, and my wife got spooked because I got home late and I was hungry and I was in there make I was pouring a bowl of cereal. So she held the cereal bag crunching and she got up and was like, "What is that? Who is that?" And she went to the alarm system and there's a button you could push that's like sends the cops out immediately, and she pushed that button. And I heard the, woo, I was like, hey, it's me, what are you doing? And, you know, we put the code in, and sure enough, the police are at my door. I said, hey, my wife pushed that button, man. They said, step outside, sir. <laughs> step outside. They wanted to make sure everything was all right. I said, look what you done did to me, man. Call the cops. But I was glad that they came so quick. You know, I said, well, look, if something had went wrong, I, they were going to be okay, my wife and kids. They was there, that was just a couple minutes. And they was right there at my door, you know, and then they had three or four cars out there. So y'all got nothing else to do? My goodness. Just one guy. My goodness. Anyway, moving on. Their God's minister to you for good. It says, but if you do evil, be afraid. Now, for those that have a problem with capital punishment, I'm just going to point that out to us right now that it's biblical. And societies that practice it are better off than those that do not practice it. Our society is more and more carnal, more and more liberal, weaker and weaker, and there's less and less and less tolerance for capital punishment. And so because of that, there are crimes that pervade our culture because there's no real heavy consequence for it. So in parts of the world where you die for rape, guess what the percentages of rapes that they have are? About none. No, I'm serious. Look it up. About none. It just when people know that this would cost me my life, it's just like they, everybody loves themselves a little bit more than that. And if it's going to cost me my life to, to do that, then then I'm not going to do it. But when you live in California and you could do it three times and get out all three times and live in a halfway house and do it again, then it just seems like, eh, you know what? Uh, maybe there are areas in the world where you molest a child. You die in California where you could do that several times and get back out and live in a halfway house and everything else. That's why, that's why it's so prevalent. The penalty is so small. And they get, treated, they get treated like victims. They get counseling. You need counseling. We'll help you out. Because no, that's I, anyway. So that's our stance. That's why it happens in cultures of the world where the penalty for theft is heavy. They don't have a problem with theft. You steal my stuff, I'm going to cut your fingers off. Uh, do I want it that bad? You know, <laughs> do I really want an iPhone or I want my fingers? You know what I'm saying? Like it goes away. And so capital punishment is God's program. It's a good thing. So look carefully at verse four with me. It says, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. He does not bear the sword in vain. What's a sword for? Sword is for killing. 
He didn't say he doesn't bear the scepter in vain. You know, the governmental authority or powers. He doesn't bear the sword in vain. The authority, the power to take your life. He doesn't bear it in vain. He has it for a reason. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome, drawing on the rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything he had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.